Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. And I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of Luke Cage. Damask Leary, how are you? I'm very well. I've finished The Handmaid's Tale. Um, I've seen two episodes and liked both of them so far. I'm looking forward to seeing more. It's great. It's really, really good. And we'll be talking about it in the future. I will not be on that podcast. No, you won't be. I'm very sad. But I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Yep. How are you? Yeah, uh, been a long couple of weeks. Uh, moving house, getting oh, ready yes. to go overseas. We are currently sitting in that new house. In the new house. If there is an echo or some weird audio thing, we're not sure of what the acoustics are like in here yet, so apologies for that. Um, it's nice. It's big. Um, it's different. It's been a fucking pain in the ass, and I hate <laughs> moving so much. I got really sick on Tuesday, just exhausted from the whole thing. But I'm feeling all right today. Good. So getting there. You're looking well. I'm looking ready for a holiday is what I'm ready for. Mm. Uh, all right. Let's get into it then. Spoiler warning, as always, on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of Luke Cage. Before listening, we recommend watching all of Daredevil, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. If, you, if you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead you have been warned. A few facts and figures. Luke Cage is a Netflix original action drama series based on the Marvel comic book superhero, also known as Power Man. And is the third show in the Defenders Netflix universe after Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Created by Archie Goodwin, John Romita Sr. and George Tuska or Tusker, Luke Cage made his debut in Luke Cage, Hero for Hire number 1 in June of 1972. Adapting the character to the small screen is Cheo Hidari Coca. Mm, I apologise. That really <laughs> yep. sounded good coming out of your mouth. Yeah, real mm. Cheo Hidari Coca, <laughs> a TV writer whose credits include Southland. Do you remember Southland? I believe that Vaguely. was one of the guy who did Donnie Darko's. It was like a comic book. Anyway, right. uh, NCIS uh, Los Angeles and Almost Human, the American version. Oh. Yeah. The show stars <laughs> Mike Coulter... Mahershala Ali, Simone Missick, Theo Rossi, Alf. Oh, t- help me with this one. Is it Alfrey Woodard? I assumed it was Alfrey, Alfrey? but I don't, but I don't actually know. Let's go with Alfrey Woodard, Rosario Dawson, know that one, and Eric LaRay Harvey as Willis Stryker, aka Diamondback. Season one consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 54 minutes, and took us approximately 11 hours and 45 minutes to watch. Damask. Do you have a story synopsis for us, please? I do. And just a reminder to everyone that if you don't need a refresh from what happened, please skip ahead. I won't be offended. It's okay. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. 
Luke Cage is laying low in a small barbershop owned by Pop, a community leader in Harlem. Luke's trying to rebuild his life after escaping jail and losing his wife, Reva. Unfortunately for Luke, nefarious forces are at play in his new hometown. Gangster Cottonmouth and his corrupt politician cousin, Mariah, are running an illegal gun trade to fund their ambition. A young man that frequents Pop's shop pulls an inside job and rips off Cottonmouth. And the proprietor of Harlem's Paradise does not take this lightly. No one makes a fool out of him and he begins hunting the young man down. He accepts the help of a cool cat named Shades, who is the lackey of an even bigger boss mysteriously called Diamondback. It was Diamondback's guns that were compromised in the deal, and now they've been detained by the police after the botched deal. Detective Misty Knight and her partner Scarf are trying to connect the dots of all the players, as we all are in this convoluted story. The young man Chico is in hiding and Pop implores Luke to find him and bring him to safety. So Luke does what Pop asks and brings Chico back to the barbershop, only for the place to be shot up by one of Cottonmouth's henchmen. Luke protects the young man, but Pop is sadly killed. It seems not even the sacred space of the barbershop is safe anymore, and Luke must save Harlem from those who have chosen to terrorise and destroy it. Luke swears to take down Cottonmouth, and to do this he must attack his money source, a community centre controlled by his cousin Mariah. Luke infiltrates the fortress, and with bullets bouncing off of him, he destroys everyone in sight. He finally lays eyes on all of Cottonmouth's money. He takes one bag for himself so that he can keep the barbershop open, and he leaves the rest for the cops to find and confiscate. Once again, Detective Misty Knight and her partner are at the scene of a crime that is somehow linked to Luke Cage. Word quickly spreads of Luke's abilities, and the neighbourhood begins to sing his praises as their saviour, but Cottonmouth won't abide anyone taking the spotlight away from him. He's desperate to find a way to destroy the seemingly untouchable cage. He hears from Shades that Diamondback has a new technology that will pierce Luke's skin. The only catch? It costs a buttload of money. With most of his cash now sitting in an evidence locker, Cottonmouth contacts a corrupt cop to steal his guns back from the police so that he can finally make a deal and buy the Judas bullet with the profits. And who is this corrupt cop? Well, if it isn't Scarf, Misty Knight's BFF and partner. However, just as Scarf is about to hand over the guns, he demands Cottonmouth give him more money. And Cottonmouth doesn't like this very much and articulates his disappointment by shooting Scarf right in the guts. Ouchie! Scarf locates Luke and tells him of a ledger that implicates Cottonmouth in a whole bunch of crimes. Finally, Cottonmouth will go to jail. But sadly, the word of a dirty cop isn't worth much and Cottonmouth walks free. Mariah, having been forced to clean up after her cousin time and time again, is on the verge of losing her political career. She begs her cousin to give up his obsession with Luke Cage. A fight breaks out and she murders him. Damn, who knew Mariah had it in her? Shades, now seeing Mariah's badass potential, helps her not only cover up the crime of murdering her cousin, but framing Luke for it as well. Once again, Misty is having to investigate a crime that is linked to Luke Cage. So now that Cottonmouth is dead, I guess the show is over and it's time for us to go home. Oh wait, nope. Luke is suddenly shot by someone who is in possession of a Judas bullet. It's Diamondback. He is hunting Luke Cage down because... 
They are half-brothers and Daddy only loved Luke Cage, except it also is revealed that Daddy didn't really like Luke Cage either, so the reason is, look, let's let's just forget about it and move on. Uh, Claire's too busy trying to find a way to save Luke's life after the bullet is ripping Luke's guts apart. Oh yeah, that's right, Claire's in it, that's a highlight, yay for that. Uh, so Luke and Claire managed to find the mad scientist that originally experimented on Luke at Seagate and they found a way to remove the bullets, that's awesome. Oh, it's also revealed that uh, Luke's wife Reva was a big fat liar. That's got to cut deep, you know, if it was possible for Luke to be cut deep. Anyway, so back in Harlem, Mariah is kind of forced to team up with Diamondback and Diamondback is obsessed with ruining Luke's life by framing him for stuff and also trying to shoot him all the time. Uh, They battle it out, you know, a couple of times. Eventually Luke defeats Diamondback in the street, blah, blah, blah. Mariah is queen pin and running Harlem's Paradise as well as the illegal shit that Cottonmouth also was running. Uh, that's the end. Who cares? I stopped caring a long time ago. Fuck me. Uh, you can really hear your enthusiasm <laughs> for this story as we go it's, along. It certainly hits a point where uh, the enthusiasm dramatically drops. Yes. Interesting. All right. Mm. All right. Let's move on then. Uh, as we've discussed last episode, we're not doing our general thoughts anymore. No, we're not. Because we want to le- let the discussion sort of evolve on its own now. So instead, we have a five-word summation. Would you like me to go first? Sure. Uh, now, I've got a, a query on this, actually. I, I know I came up with a segment of the five-word summation, but if it's hyphenated, is that one word? Because it changes how I... I would consider that one word, yeah. Okay, right. In that case... Okay. If it's like, unless you're being an asshole and hyphenating words that aren't meant to be hyphenated. I don't believe... You, uh, you can tell me if the, the last two words in this okay. are hyphenated or not. <laughs> and if they are, if you say yes, then I have to add a word and I'll add a word at the end. And if not, so I'll just okay, leave it. so it's not like five and under. It has to be specifically five. It's specifically okay, five. Okay, all right. right? Okay, that's so fine. So my five words, or possibly four, are stylish but limp back end. Um, I've always considered back end just to be one word, not even hyphenated. Sad, <laughs> like a Trump sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is my fifth word. So can you uh, can you just read that out again? Because I was counting the words instead of actually concentrating. Stylish but limp back end. Sad. <laughs> that is an actual Trump tweet. That's that is very a, funny. It is, yeah. Um, we could do that with 140 characters. That could be the other version. Our Twitter, our Twitter thoughts. Um, all right. What about yours, Damask? Because I always write like a few different ones. Yeah, it's really interesting. I struggle with one. Right. It's, it's interesting that you have like multiple versions. I want to know your alternate Two, three, take sometimes. Four, five. <laughs> oh, how about I just read it? All no, 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 no. You only get one. All right. Okay. Um, more Claire, less diamond back, please. Cool. There you go. Totally got it. Excellent. All right. Some discussion points then. I want to start by just talking about the style of the show of Luke Cage. Okay. Especially in comparison to, say, Daredevil. Mm. The, uh, if you ask me, it has very little style at all, apart mm-hmm. from l- knowing sometimes put a yellow filter on. <laughs> and Jessica Jones, which emotionally and like thematically was really, its core story at least was really good, but mm. it didn't necessarily have a hollow style. I mean, it had that noir thing going for it, but I don't think it l- necessarily lent on it too heavily. No, particularly, um, I mean, I think it was noir heavy the beginning, yes. but as the Kilgrave stuff escalated, I think uh, that fell away a little bit, yeah. I would even argue that that's something that all of these shows have, is, an, is a problem where it's well-defined in its first five or so episodes, mm. and by the end of the season, it 
it's almost like they're running out of time. They've been yeah. just forced to like, write this shit, done, and get it out. And it, they really, really struggle towards the end, some of them. Jessica Jones less so, except for the B and C storyline. But the but Daredevil, all both seasons, yeah, totally. really, really struggle at the end. And Luke Cage in particular. But we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Something I, re- I, I really liked about Luke Cage was its style. If there was one thing I could go, this was something I'm enjoying. The first episode... Um, when you're doing the club and they've got the, I don't, I'm terrible with like the terms, but it's sort of like, it's not Motown, is it? Like, what's the like the, like um, there, I'm a, trying to remember the exact song that was playing, but it's usually like soul or neo soul or funk that's playing in the background, right? Generally, and yeah. those, uh, and it's not, yeah, it's not even just what's happening in the club, but what just follows the show in general. Mm. That sort of bluesy funk, whatever you want to call it, yeah. sound, I think is really, really good. I really appreciated that style. I appreciate a lot of the, some of the shots as well. Like there's a lot of, there's some, uh, it should be said, the show is particularly cheesy and on the nose at times yes. with some of its stuff. Yeah. And it kind of leans into that though, deliberately. It's not like Daredevil where I feel like it's trying to be this Joss Whedon mm. family drama, but doesn't, can't ever be ironic about it, take yourself yeah. too seriously. This show will comment on the fact that it's kind of Yeah, I think so. Like like when you have like Mahershala, Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Fuck, he's great. Um, with the, uh, what's his name? Um, Biggie Smalls. Yeah, with that and the poster and, like, and the crown. And the crown, right. Mm. And like that is really on, an on-the-nose shot. Yeah. But it says a lot. And then someone will say, look at him and go with your Biggie Smalls painting yeah. on the wall. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. And it's like, it helps that they can make fun of that as well. And yeah. going for that sort of 70s... Blaxploitation the- kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's really, really cool. I, And they are certainly more consistent with their own um, style than a lot of the other Marvel yeah. shows. Um Sometimes it does feel a little confused, though. Mm-hmm. Um, just tonally, it's sometimes the because with like a lot of black exploitation kind of things, there is like a campness level, I guess, sure. to those things. Um, and yeah, like the soundtrack was great, but then you'd have like a really cheesy line. And while sometimes they do comment on it, which is great, and I really like that and appreciate that, sometimes they don't. Sure. And I'm just going like, oh, oh, okay. And again, I think yeah. that's a problem of all of these Netflix yeah, Marvel totally. shows is there are some just – I've got a couple of them in my quick fire comments as well. Just <laughs> horrendous lines. We yeah. all like – like, I cannot groan for long enough to exemplify <laughs> how bad that line was. Yeah, eternal groaning. Eternal mm. groaning. Uh, and then it just keeps happening. It's just, yeah, yeah, really disappointing. But, yeah, it's I'm really starting to understand that all of these shows can't escape. Even even when you try to do something a bit more stylish, it has to fall in line with whatever Marvel's trying to do. They have to have something that connects them all and it appears to be really shit 90s TV writing. Like... <laughs> Like that's what they or all early seem to 2000s, come. Or early two yeah, thousands, yeah. like it always seems to be coming back to that. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I started watching the Iron Fist, and it's like, oh boy, this is just it's happening yeah. again. It feels, yeah, it can feel so dated, uh, yeah. which is a shame. And I'm not. Maybe it's just a lack of writers or head writers with a, their own very clear personal vision of a character. Yeah, possibly, but. 
as I said, and I just wanted to make sure I highlight that, the style that it does have, at least in its music, in its imagery, in its dialect when it gets it right, I really, really appreciate and mm-hmm. latched onto. And it yeah. gave me something early on to be like, because uh, yeah, at the, the beginning, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is different. Cool I really like it. Yeah, definitely cool. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it didn't come out of the gate swinging either. It wasn't like it was action heavy really early on. No. Um, it's quite a slow burn. You're just starting to get to know sort of who the players are. You get to know Misty a little bit. You get to know Luke again. You get to know sort of the people in Pops Barber. You get to know um, Cottonmouth and Mariah and all mm-hmm. those people bit by bit. Yeah. And so... It's, it's it's a very grounded crime drama to begin with. Very, again, hits some of those stereotypes we've seen before. Um, but I don't know. I was just enjoying the package it was put in, at least, especially early on. And I would argue even in the I think, middle. yeah, that's a big part of the enjoyment was, yeah, the package it was put in. Yeah. Absolutely. And that goes a long way. I think that like that yeah, like, style yeah. can go a long, long way with these things to make something different. I've said before, the story doesn't have to be original to be... Good. You can tell. Sorry, doesn't. Have, yeah, you can tell an unoriginal story. It's about how you tell it. Mm. And if if you can make me invest in the characters, if I like the people to some degree, um, if they're charismatic or they're sympathetic or just interesting to see, and then the style you put in is there, that goes a long way to getting mm-hmm. me invested. And it had that for a lot of it, not the whole thing. I would argue it go. I was invested a little longer than you. It yeah, sounds probably. like you yeah. were gone pretty much the moment Diamondback ended. You were out. I was. Yeah. I was still I mean, with it for a while longer. I, I but was the, yeah. waning um, even towards the end of Cottonmouth, and I really I did like Cottonmouth, but he seemed so outgunned. Um, well, that, that I, was that always I, the well, issue. Yeah, that I was ready for the next um, thing that was going to bring the tension. Sure. And then when that thing turned out to be some random guy with a gun on the street who is like, I am your brother. I'm like, oh, no. So, um, yeah, I was pretty much immediately out. Well, let's talk about that then. I think this will come back to one of the points you wanted to talk about. I, I titled this note in my notes, two out of three ain't bad, right? right? Which is I think there is probably three distinct parts to this show. There's the first part, which is really Luke has come to Harlem. Uh, what's happening with... Mariah, sorry, Mariah and Cottonmouth. Pop gets killed. Luke Cage is on the path for revenge or justice. Mm-hmm. How they sort of come to loggerheads. And that sort of ends around episode four or five. And then Cottonmouth is killed. Um, meanwhile, he wants Luke. That's sort of the end of act, act one, I would say. I think when um, Misty's partner dies is sort of around that time too. Mm-hmm. It sort of all is finished by episode four or five. Yeah. Then Diamondback enters. Mm-hmm. Diamondback, is that right? Diamondback, yeah. yeah. And they, so he is hunting Luke. And while I'm not invested in that character, Luke being vulnerable was good. Him being shot and him having to deal with like being gunned down and hunted, mm-hmm. I enjoyed. I liked, because especially because Claire was there at that point. Yeah. I fucking yeah. love Claire. If Claire's Claire. there, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. And then that continued on into the story of going to find out a bit more about his origins and learning about. His, his ex, well, his dead wife, mm-hmm. and just the whole. I really liked the, like the body horror stuff that was going on with him in like the, the acid, acid tank and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, just remember when Claire, like when he's been operated on, and it's all good, and he's like just coming out of the acid, and Claire takes his mask off before he's completely out of the bath. I'm like, what are you doing? It scared the shit out of me. Oh, okay, but yeah. 
The but like that stuff I liked. It was a good change of style. It was going fine. And that was just, you know, the little road trip he has with Claire, I quite liked there. I did like that, yeah. That's good. Then he comes back and it's all diamond back towards the end. And like, I just can't care. There's nothing to latch onto there at that point. Diamond Pact is a nothing bad guy. He is... He's my least favourite. Least favourite bad guy of all the bad guys I've had so far? Yep. Oh, by a million miles. He is so terrible. I'm like, did this guy just come out of an episode of Power Rangers? Like, what is happening? Who is this guy? Like... Why on earth would we care about him at all? He is not a person. We have had no hint that he is important to Luke at all. Yeah, there is a, there is yeah, there's nothing there. He shows up and he goes, "Oh, he's this guy that I he thinks I fucked over and he's out to get me." And he's just so single-minded about everything he does. Like, I think mate, correct me if I'm wrong. I've tried to watch this while I was moving. So if I, there's a couple of details I'm missing, maybe, you know, correct me on I this will, please. I will, I will. From what I understand, so he was the one who's supplying uh, Cottonmouth with, like, the guns Those and so Those guns forth. that Domingo was going to buy. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, it gets to a point where Cottonmouth's got no money because Luke's, like, basically taken away his cash. And he's, like, desperate to get rid of Luke. So, he's going to make a deal originally with Diamondback to buy the bullets mm-hmm. off him. The Judas bullets to kill Luke. Yeah. And then that all just doesn't work out, basically. And so Diamondback goes to do it himself. But I think what Diamondback wanted to do is he wanted to like he wanted to have control of Harlem. Well, that that was the deal because um, so she, Cottonmouth wanted to buy the bullet, but he didn't have enough money. So and he so went she, to get, he got so Shades was like, oh well, the, well if you want just Diamondback to do it, that if he does that, he is going to take over Harlem, though. So my question is, what does Diamondback get for controlling Harlem? That's the bit I never understood. It's that, like really all he wants is Luke, right? That's at the heart of what is the problem with Diamondback yeah. because we have the you know two thirds of the show or half of the show in which it's really a battle between the idea that Pop had and that Luke has now adopted yep. versus the ideology of. Cottonmouth and Mariah. It's really about who's going to protect and kind of control the soul of Harlem. Which that's, I that's, like that I love a that lot. as well. And then we have this, you know, third player come in who is completely separate from that story. Yeah. So then you you have to ask yourself, well, what's the thesis of this season? Yeah. If it's not about Harlem, if it's not about you know, what is the culture of Harlem? Like, what should our community leaders look like? What should they want to be achieving for the community? Like, that stuff's cool. And I think... Very cool. Yeah. And then you've got Diamondback who, yeah, is completely separate from that. Yeah, it's, it's just, it kind of... He doesn't represent anything. No. He only represents a figure from Luke's past who wants him dead. Yeah. And you can talk about, like... The whole idea of what their father did and how he treated them, blah, 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 fine. Daddy issues, though, I've seen so many times. And Diamondback was not a compelling character. No. When you, especially when you've got all these... Mu- and one of the things I also wanted to talk about was, unlike Daredevil, which talks about Hell's Kitchen a lot and like how important Hell's Kitchen is and how I want to fix Hell's Kitchen and protect Hell's Kitchen, I actually did feel the idea of community in... Yeah. See, I don't know what Hell's Kitchen looks like or is separate from other parts of... New York totally. in Daredevil, whereas Harlem really feels like a place. It does, doesn't yeah. it? Like, there are locations. They talk about streets. They talk about, like, Harlem's Paradise mm. and, like, Pop, Pop's Barbershop and, like, yeah. all those things. 
it has a sense of place. And mm. we talked about this in, I think, Louis season four. One of the things I liked about that continuity is it gave a sense of place. Yeah. Louis' apartment became, I know where the doctor lives on the bottom floor. I know where. Yes, yes, such very such true. Mm-hmm. And that really goes a long way to making me care about something. And it wasn't just the locations. I Like, you got to know some of the community as mm-hmm. well and their feelings and their history and what's important to them and what they need protecting from and their attitude towards the police and their attitude towards Mariah and blah, 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 blah. And there's lots of that. It's really dense with that. Mm-hmm. I loved that yeah. stuff. And then, yeah, Diamondback just adds nothing to it. He un- he totally subverts. Yeah. Well, I think like that's not the right word. If Harlem is your foundation for the show, which, which is great, really good, well done when it was there, then I feel like, and I think this is pretty fair to say for a lot of superheroes when they, you know, have a villain. I think, you know, it usually works best if they are an ideological. In op- ideological opposition to what the hero is doing, or if they are yeah. a mirror image, a diff- like the other side of the coin, that's really interesting, and that's what Cottonmouth and Mariah are totally. for Luke. And Diamondback isn't that. It wasn't even like, oh, Daddy loved you, but he didn't love me. Well, it turns out he didn't love Luke either. So what is your fucking issue? Yeah, you're right. It's like he is like you could argue he's like the dark Luke Cage in the sense that they have a common backstory, but nothing else about them, nothing. Def- Defines one another like they don't define one another very much at all. No, nothing not about their all. characters, nothing about their the way they are, except that Luke is just inherently good and Diamondback is inherently, inherently bad. bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's not interesting. That is nothing interesting about that. No. Whereas the Mariah and the Cottonmouth stuff, mm. like particularly, you, you with- understood to some degree so much. You understood their history in mm. terms of their crime family background and the positions they were in, their positions based on their gender in that mm. in that role, um, how they were treated and ferried down separate paths, which led them to try and get the same goal and work together, but completely different angles and trying to negotiate that. And like, mm-hmm. and then both actually do to some degree, even though it's probably from a very, uh, very selfish version, care about Harlem. Yep. It's totally there and I'm invested in that storyline. Well, yeah, it's, it's great when you when you know your bad guy is doing bad things, but you can kind of understand why they're going down that wrong path to achieve totally. something that they think is right. You like, see Spider Man Homecoming. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second time on the podcast second that you've time. told me to do that, I really second should. Third, yeah. um, I'm going to see Baby Driver today, actually. So I'm excited ah, about that. <laughs> that's my post move uh, present. Oh, present. So yes. hopefully I'll see it this weekend. Excellent. Yeah, so like when you can empathize at least a little bit with the villain, it goes a really long way. But when you have a D, a 2D character like Diamondback, yeah. it's just nothing. And like, I don't know who thought that was a good idea. It is beyond me who saw that script, who saw that character, who saw like the abandoning of the thesis in the first half of your show and thought, People are gonna love that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's very, very disappointing the way the show ends, and even the way that last episode, like the fight between them in the streets, Ugh. and then it, and then it it goes. It done such a good job of just layering in there bit by bit, and little discussions between Luke Cage and certain thugs, and like whatever, right? Discussions between Mariah and Cottonmouth, and all these sorts of things. And then at the end, it's just like everyone on the street going, "Luke Cage, Luke yeah. Cage, Luke." It's like. No, no, <laughs> that's not the no, no, that's not it at all. That's no. that's not where this needed to go. No, that's the most simplified, boring version of this, mm-hmm. and it does scream to me of just like either being told we need to fit in like a super violent fight, a bit like 
and there's an episode coming up where we have a big discussion about Wonder Woman. Oh uh, yeah, that's yeah. not uh, it's been recorded, but it's being pushed to a bit later in our release schedule. I have similar feelings about the way that show end, that movie ends, where mm. it's like it's doing really good stuff thematically, and then someone at the studio said, "Make sure you have this fight." Got to have the, the big battle scene at the end because it's a superhero film. Push it in, and it's like, it do you totally yeah. undercuts what the rest of the film's yeah. doing, and that which is you know third the same why thing I think Cage. Jessica Jones made a really smart decision when they decided not to do that. Oh, that's the best the way bit they about. resolve that issue between Jessica and Kilgrave. Yeah. It's not a big fight scene one because that's not the villain that Kilgrave is he's never going to get into a physical fight totally and you and it proves that you don't need it which is great because it would have been so tempting like they do have a little bit of Jessica being physical in the ending of that series of course but that's not like the culmination like where everything is leading to this big battle and they have this big drawn out fight yeah totally like yeah exactly you've got I'm just thinking about that Jessica Jones ending now because it could must have been so tempting when she is super powered, mm. like she's got super strength to just have a big fight scene. They got a little bit of the action, but you're right. the The ending to that storyline, the conclusion to that battle, is one of Jessica understanding what he really wants, yeah, and being able to use that against mm. him. And I think you know it's it's wonderful because if you're Villain is all about manipulation and the effects on your life has been like the negative effects have been because of this man's manipulation to then at the end to have that final battle be about you manipulating him. Yeah. Fuck, that's good. So good. Taking that power back. And then, so just thinking about the Luke Cage ending now, we've got Diamondback who shows up with this suit, which is sort of teased, but we don't know anything really about except that makes him super powered. And then Luke has memories of being told... By their dad, is it? To, like, just put your fists up and, like, let him tie himself out? That's thematically totally... No, I think that is... It's hard to tell because they don't look anything like the actors, but I'm pretty sure that is Diamondback and Luke. Diamondback and Luke are in the ring, but it's... isn't Who's the one on the sidelines? Oh, I thought it was um, Diamondback coaching Luke. Oh, maybe. I I don't know. I don't don't even remember. (laughs) That's the problem, though. I really didn't care at that. It, it was ill-defined. Yeah. Those flashbacks did a really bad job because those, that flashback, like you're trying to get me invested in this brother's storyline right at the end. Well, that's the thing is that to have those hard-hitting moments, you need to earn them. You can't put all the groundwork in the moment that's meant to be the yeah, culmination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't all make any sense storytelling-wise. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so we, they talked, or especially Diamondback, talked a lot about their childhood in terms of... You know, they were friends and it was always weird between our parents and I never knew why until I found out why and mm, great. Yeah, but Captain Exposition is Diamondback. Show, yeah. don't tell. <laughs> show, don't tell. It's just, yeah, they didn't they didn't get that um, note when they were starting writing, obviously, the people who wrote the show. Cause, like, in every instance when it comes to Diamondback, it's it is, talk. It's all talk. And he talks and usually in to such people platitudes, that are like, using yeah. his Bible verses and stuff. It's like, this is fucking bullshit. This is yeah. nothing. And also, like, he doesn't seem to have any, like, real connection to religion. I don't actually know what's feeding him other than pure hatred, and that's fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just before we move on, because I want, I want going to go through some of your notes. I think they'll come back to some of mine in a second. Can I just talk about a scene I really, or a moment I really loved? Sure. I loved Mariah killing Cottonmouth. That yeah. shocked the... F- I, I have not. I was in weird scenario again this week where I was like, had to sort of move as I was doing things. Instantly bolt upright attention. That yeah. was such a good scene. Pushing him out the off onto off the balcony, yeah. and then 
killing him. Smashing him with the mic stand. Holy shit. Did not see it coming. Was Mm -hmm. really, really effective too. And just helps that you had great actors in those roles. Absolutely. I I had no idea Mahershala Ali was in this. Me either. And then he was on like, oh my God. I was like, how did they get him? But then I realized it was Um, pre-Oscar. He's got, I I just found out today, I believe it was today or yesterday, he was announced he is going to be in True Detective Season 3. Oh. Which. I didn't see Season 2. Neither did I. And I'm not going to, but I love, love season one. I hope we can do a podcast about season one one day because I really like it. I think like we it. will, yeah. Um, we should probably do season two, actually. That's, that, uh, maybe That'd we'll do, be interesting. Before, before season three, we'll do True Detective season one and two. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Because they've always had talent in those shows, but yeah. I love him. I loved him in Moonlight, so... Really I still good. haven't seen Moonlight. I'm such a bad good. gay. I'm sorry. Um, but no, I need to see that. Uh, did you have any specific talking points you would like to uh, discuss, Damask Leary? So I wanted to talk about Luke Cage being more of a symbol than an actual fully realised man, sure. a real this, character. This, I th- knew you wanted to bring this one up because this goes over a couple of my little okay, points great. as well. So you go. Cool. Uh, well, I have a quote. Um, it's from the Vulture recaps, which are great. They're written by Angelica Jade Bastien. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Uh, and yeah, I... I have to commend her for these recaps. They are very, very good. So check them out if you can on vulture.com. Um, and so the point I'm bringing up is pretty much the point that it's her point, really. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's true. Because I, watching it, I was like, I think Luke might just be really boring. Yeah. I think he's just and a you boring were his person. biggest fan going I know, this I as loved well. him. And then the more time I spent with him, I'm like, it's like when you go on a first date and you see how attractive someone is. You're like, oh, no, they're amazing. Sure. And then you like spend more time. You're like, oh, actually, you've got no personality. Anyway, so the <laughs> quote is, this is Angelica Jade Bastien's quote from Vulture.com. It is, quote, writers are so focused on what these heroes represent. They don't really consider who they are. Luke embodies the heavy implications of what it means to have a bulletproof black man in a hoodie as a superhero in a time when real black people are gunned down with alarming regularity for nothing more than being black. This makes Luke an important, timely figure, especially as the ideas of masculinity, heroes and black identity in America are being upended. But I wish we got to see more of who he is as a man rather than what he represents. Just for point of reference, is that from a particular episode, do you remember? Yes, it's episode nine. Episode nine, thank you. Yeah, so go on. Um, Yeah, and so it's just, it was true for me. I mean, I found Luke charming and interesting more often when he's with Claire and they're just yeah. like connecting and having chemistry. having a bit of fun and same same you know sometimes with Misty I like I those moments were great but so often he was just like I don't want to be a hero oh I bet now I have to fight oh I don't want to be a hero no I have to fight it's like or he's doing like a grand speech and stuff I'm like let me get to know you as a person like mm-hmm. like the black and the white of you or like actually just the grey of you would be mm. would be far more interesting to me. And I, I don't think we really have the opportunity to do that. What, like, what are your thoughts on it? No, I think you're right. I think um, I, like the – I like the performance as Luke Cage fine enough. Like I like the actor. Um, I think he is good in the role. I think he is charismatic. Like I enjoy when he's on screen. But you're right that there's not enough written – to get to know him, and this is where this is where the Diamondback thing may have been interesting, mm. because if you're going to bring up someone from his past, there and even Shades as well, who's known him since he was at um, Seagate. Seagate, you you 
you there's an opportunity there to just dis- to discuss who he is, where he comes from, what's changed him, what he cares about, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Apart from him just being like, Pop was good to me. Pop was a good guy. I want to look after Pop's legacy. Yeah, he doesn't. He is very much a symbol, like you say. He's symbolic of bigger ideas. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So, like, again, it's the performance I'm okay with. It's just he is underwritten as a yes, character. Absolutely. He is uh, he is not he's not a person. Yeah, no, I, I certainly don't blame the actor. Is it Mike Coulter? Coulter? Uh, yeah, I was just going back to double check that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's certainly yeah, not Mike him. Coulter. I think the performance is kind of stilted, but I think that's because the dialogue is sometimes quite atrocious. Sure. I, I, um, even, I even would argue that might be part of his character sometimes. That there is a certain, like, he's meant to be, like, unbreakable, right? There's a mm. certain, like, stiffness to him that... And, like, he his expressions are subtle all of the time. There is... He's not. He's meant to be a hard egg to crack, and I think that's kind of part of it, maybe. But I can see why it might be a problem. Maybe too. I think. Yeah. He, I mean, he certainly is um, in the mode of protecting himself. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, but that's why we need more of those moments of vulnerability with Claire and Misty and Pop and all those people. We need. I mean, that's why Buffy is one of the greatest heroes ever written because yeah. we see those sides of her. We get an opportunity to see like the toll that being a hero can take and like seeing her connect with people who just by knowing her can be damaged by that. And like also like the toll that that takes, like it's there's certainly a way to do it and you need to take the time to do it. I think it's really important, particularly in like, this is not a movie. This is a TV show. That's you have right. so, once again, you have so much time. We need to know these people. Because I was going to argue one of the things I'm seeing of a different, a similar character to that from the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm. is someone like Captain America, mm-hmm. right? Who is named Captain America. He yep. is a symbol, if ever there was a symbol mm-hmm. inside the Marvel Universe. And I could, I think you could argue that his first movie, the first Avenger, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of depth. He starts out as being a super goody, I'm, you know, all-American rah-rah hero. He's, yeah, weenie guy who gets his powers, but he doesn't have any real grey to him. He doesn't have any real conflict. He's just going to go out there and he's he gets used as a symbol first and foremost, but he yep. wants to fight and mm-hmm. that's his struggle is just to get out there and fight. There is no point where he's necessarily an interesting character in that first movie. But you're right, the difference is that's a movie and by mm. the second and third movie, what's great is that all these things start to shake his belief like his belief was always spoilers for the captain america series and avengers and blah 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 the his thing was always like you know be a good soldier work for the american government and Mm -hmm. truth the american way and in the second movie the american government's working against him he's a fugitive on the run and the third movie he really has to deal with the idea of not working under government at all and having to be a vigilante to get things done and what that means accountability wise and those sorts of things and so his whole character arc, he has a massive arc yes. by the end of the third Captain America film. And it's great. Mm. And it takes three movies to get there. And well, that's the thing is I think because what Marvel's doing is it's changing the way that it's making film in which it, they have been able to turn it into long form narratives sure. by putting it over like a series of films, yep. like you would a se- like episodes of a television show. And so Captain America, while in the first film, he's a goody two shoes and he's Ends being a goody two shoes. That's and he's like always charismatic. And he, and he I always is, enjoy yes, him. Like he's Chris always Evans a symbol. But then we yeah. do have that arc of him, and yeah. that like that arc will continue to curve, where he is like the systems that I have always trusted. Uh, I have discovered are not trustworthy. Yeah. Um, because people, 
you know, they're not infallible, even if they are under like this, you know, American flag. They're like that doesn't really mean anything. It's about the people that make it up. And that's so, yeah, I think Marvel, even like in its films, eventually gets there in terms of arcs. So this is both a criticism. Heroes, yeah. This is both a criticism and a defense, I think, because I think the criticism, my, my defense is that maybe we'll get there with Luke Cage. But my criticism is, well, Captain America had six, seven, eight hours to do it and did it. And you've had 13, you've had 13 and didn't do <laughs> or it. Or 11 hours, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 12 hours essentially and didn't mm-hmm. do it. And mm-hmm. you very well could have. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you plan to go there and make Luke more interesting eventually, make him more than a symbol, but you had enough time to at least get something out and didn't do it. And that sucks. Yeah. On the symbolism though, as a symbol, how do you feel about Luke and his role in this story and what it was talking about? Because I like, I like the fact that this show has a very black identity. Like, oh, there absolutely. are very I mean, few white characters in yes. this. Um, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great that that can exist inside the Marvel Universe. And I wish there was... I'm looking forward to the Black Panther movie mm-hmm. for exactly the same reasons. It's yep. going to be really cool. Um, and just even what... I don't, I don't know enough about Luke Cage's history to know if this has always been a part of him. But they talk about in the show the idea of a bulletproof man in an age where Black Lives Matter... Is like mm. a. I think, uh, yeah, the weight that was put on that was it was. I think the creator was at. No, I don't think it was Paley Fest, but it was some sort of um, con or something where they were where he was. Yeah, talking on a panel, I think, and yeah. he made the comment about you know it's an important time for there to be a bulletproof black man. Extremely relevant. Um. So. They're certainly taking a hold of what a black man in a hoodie represents now. Yeah. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Absolutely, they're taking those symbols. I'm not – sometimes I think the message of – because those symbols are very important, very, very important, um, and that message is very, very important. Sometimes I think it's a little – confused i sometimes i think it gets a little bit lost in this is a superhero show Mm. um this you know what happened to trayvon martin and the countless other black people out there who have been subject to gun violence by either racist or racist systems yeah um sometimes i i'm not sure what they're doing with them i'm not sure if they're effectively using them Sure. Yeah. So it makes that comparison, it makes that connection, but doesn't necessarily do anything uh, with that. Yes, yes, I think sure, so. Sure, yeah. sure. I think that's fair, mm. particularly because this story is so inherently black all the way mm. through. What's missing is that racist element. Yeah. Um, although there is a little bit of that when it comes to the when Luke's on the run at one stage, the cops start like beating on a kid and like there's. Yeah, I think, yeah, I. C- and then those the bit images, with him in the dash cam and like, yeah. though they are trying to... Get, you're right. The image is there, but maybe not enough. Yeah, the images of mm. seeing, you know, black men and women in the community being stopped and um, unjustly persecuted by yeah. police or harassed by police. Um, 
so that's that's something. But then when we actually get down to a young black man being abused by a police officer, it's actually a black police officer that yeah, does it, which makes me go, hmm, that's and you've clearly made that decision to do that. I'm not mm. sure why if you're leaning so hard to the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we also see with the, the dash cam, once again, one of the police officers are black. Like, yeah. and it's... It's like they want to take those really important images, they but they don't. Bit, they they yeah. totally neuter them a little bit, and I wonder if that's to placate a white audience. And if Probably. that's true, I think that's really unfortunate to do. Yeah, it would have been a lot bolder to go the whole way. It's, yeah, yeah, to, and like, yeah, you can kind of see how mm, it's tough, right? It's like Marvel, obviously, you know, they're they're trying some exclusivity things here. They don't want to. What's the word? Sideline anyone here. They want to get that idea out there, which is empowering to black people, but they mm-hmm. don't want to offend anyone else. But maybe yeah. maybe if you're going to tell this story, you need to be willing to tell yeah, it properly. I think if you've got a black superhero who wants to protect his community, I don't think you should be worried about offending white people. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's what's there, I think, is, is interesting. I think it's great that it's in a Marvel show. Yes, yes. I think it's, it's similar to the Jessica Jones stuff, like the fact that that's, it's about domestic abuse mm, yeah. is in a Marvel show is really cool. Yeah. It's amazing that's where those stories are. I Jones certainly don't want to be discouraging of like people to explore those ideas in TV. Definitely. Um, I, th- I think it's a great thing. It's just it wasn't always um, particularly clear or effective for me. I sure. Think. Yeah. Sure. One other thing I just want to talk about mm. is that the problem, other problem with Luke Cage is that his power is kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> Being invulnerable really mm. limits what you can do because... And he even starts to say, it's like, how many of these hoodies am I going to have to go through sort of thing? Mm. It, and, like, I actually quite like the bit where he, like, gives his hoodie to somebody and, like, everyone starts to use it as a symbol as gives well. Gives it to Method Man, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does give it to Method Man. That's right. And, like, the idea that it, he gets happens so often that people shoot him and ruin yeah. his hoodies becomes, like, iconic mm-hmm. is a pretty cool idea. It's a great way of making something that gets tedious give it some meaning. Yes, yeah. But... This is a show where, because it's grand in reality, ultimately you're either going to get shot or punched. Mm. And Luke Cage, except in very specific circumstances, is invulnerable to both. Yeah. Well, I How thought- many times do you just walk into a room, get shot a bunch of times, and then take people out and well, that's over? Well, that's the thing. I think it was Cottonmouth and Mariah, maybe, they were talking about like how to get rid of Luke Cage. And she's like, she was listing Poison, off all the things to do. Him. I'm like, yes, can Mariah please be the fucking villain yes. here? Because she knows what's up. Yeah, totally. And so when Cottonmouth died, I'm like, ooh, Mariah like knows her stuff. Mm-hmm. She's going to find ways to get to Luke Cage that are interesting and new. Much like the way like Kilgrave, he was always like mixing things up, keeping things fresh as to how he was like torturing people or destroying lives. You can have His Mar- power is a million times more oh, of, interesting of than course, Of course. Too. I don't mean to compare it's it in that so way. so deep. But I'm just thinking about like a villain who has the ability to think really cleverly and yeah. think about new ways to do things um, instead of just Diamondback hunting Luke Cage instead with a of fucking like, bullet. These bullets aren't working. We need better bullets. Oh, we have better bullets now. Let's arm everyone yeah. with these better bullets. Super what? boring. So it's like it's not only does it go bam, so Luke Cage's power innately is boring mm-hmm. to – Oh, let's bring in something interesting, a super rare bullet. Oh, yes, mm. cool. 
then bam, let's make it boring again by giving everyone that fucking bullet. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. That's that's, mm. that's the problem with escalation. It's like, yeah. you get to a point where it's just like, well, mm, mm, now that's, what? <laughs> that's the most, just keeps going. It's like, yeah. and then Luke Cage will get some armor, which make, will make him stronger, which will make him t- t- need better bullets again. And it goes mm. again. And you keep repeating that same... It's like when you, like, The Hangover 2 is like The Hangover 1 again. Or, like, again. a movie that yeah. just re- ends up remaking the original. Mm-hmm. It gets real boring when you keep going down that that yep. line. So, yeah, I, it's a real shame they couldn't find a more interesting way to lo- use Luke. Do you have any other particular discussion points? Anything we feel like we've missed? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, I mean, we've touched on it before um but i just want to say once again and i'm also going to use another quote by angelica jade bastian again um this one is from a recap that she did of episode 11 Mm -hmm. and it's just about how awesome claire is and how she is the absolute standout of this show i think uh so this is the quote from angelica quote in now your mind harlem's true hero claims her title with mordant humour and a healthy dose of common sense, Claire Temple outsmarts armed thugs, saves Misty Knight's life and makes it out of the besieged Harlem's paradise without being nabbed by the cops. The street-level poetry that Luke Cage so desperately strives for is utterly embodied in her character. Rosario Dawson keeps proving time and time again she's the secret weapon of these Marvel Netflix series. She moves through a city full of forces far greater than herself with wit, quiet strength and more common sense than most of the leading heroes. When one of Diamondback's goons calls Claire Night Nurse as she tries to figure out a way to escape the hostage That's situation. The second, second, someone else has mentioned that in a different ep- show as well. I think it was either Jessica Yeah, Jones, they have mentioned it someone before. Someone called her the Night Nurse in that. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, something about a Night Nurse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when one of Diamondback's goons calls Claire Night Nurse as she tries to figure out a way to escape the hostage situation, the story starts to feel interesting, vital even. Claire is allowed to be human and complex in ways Luke isn't. She doesn't have to be a stand-in for the, the real-life issues faced by people of colour. She doesn't have to represent a movement. So she's just like this awesome, cool, interesting person. And she grounds the show. And I think she is grounded Daredevil as well. She, I mean... What they the Defenders is a bad title. It should, should just be. be called Night Nurse and Friends <laughs> yeah. because Claire is well and, and truly patience. Yeah, Night Nurse and patience. Yeah, because yeah. 
she has become well and truly the mm. best part of the, yes. this series. Yes, yes, yes. There is some interest- Round of applause for Rosario Dawson. Totally. You are killing it. Totally. Yeah. And it's great. I'm really proud that the series has been able to... She has been a really good um, connection between all of them. Mm-hmm. She's showed up in every season so far, of, even at least for one episode yeah. in all of them now. She got she shoved in at the end of Jessica Jones, but mm. that was a good setup for Luke Cage yep. and her inclusion in this one. Um I'm looking forward to... I'm hoping she shows up in Iron Fist because that's going to help. Mm. Um, that that could be really... It could be really on the nose. But no, she's been great. She does... i got to tell you though, she's totally a superhero though. Her powers as a nurse are crazy good. She <laughs> when is, she's like looking at the cells is, and stuff, I'm like, she's a medical genius. She's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> she is. And it's a little bit like, holy crap, she's amazing at everything apparently. Mm. But yes, as a character, Claire is... Great. She yeah. is really, really, really watchable, really charismatic. She gets some crap lines and Rosario Dawson makes all of them she bar is, one. Oh, okay. Bar one. Uh, yeah, we'll I th- you later the work. work she does, the heavy lifting she so does much. is so commendable. And she makes yeah. any scene she's in with other actors better. Absolutely. And I don't I've always liked Rosario Dawson. Like I've never had anything against her. Mm. I thought I remember when she I think Rent was the first thing I ever saw her right. in, maybe. And I saw I, her in Josie and the Pussycats. I liked her in Rent. Um I need to re explore that movie. I'm not sure how good that movie really is. No, but it's I liked, terrible. I liked it at the time. Yeah. You know, I liked Donnie Darko once upon a time too. So, you know, <laughs> I still need to rewatch Garden, that because you State. keep shitting on it. Yeah. Garden State as well. Um <laughs> Oh no, that is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Although I need to rewatch I just want to rewatch that drunk just to like We oh. should have like a little marathon of the shitty sh- movies we used that, to love. That would be and uh, genuinely love. We yeah. uh, just a just total side note. I we used to do a thing in our backyard when we were housemates, which I'm hopefully gonna do at this place too. Yeah. Where we used to do uh, movies in the backyard. We have yeah. a project. A giant screen, screen yeah. And um, the I wanted to do a double feature of Donnie Darko and Garden State <laughs> just because it's called Teenage Regrets. Yeah, yeah basically, good. we'll get there one day. Uh, anyway, side note over. She, I, she sort of disappeared for a long time. I didn't see her in anything. I didn't. I sort of wondered what happened to Rosario Dawson. I feel like she was in a couple of maybe a couple of movies that never took off or. I feel like I, I've always been watching her, but I, like nothing's coming to That's mind. That's the thing. Though. I can't think. I always think back to Rent. I think she was a voice. Like she's a voice in uh, Lego Batman. She's the voice of Barbara Gordon. I was like, oh, cool. Rosario Dawson's got that role in Leo Batman. What the Lego Batman movie? Oh, Lego. Sorry. Sorry. I was like, What's a Leo Batman? <laughs> Lego. The Lego Batman movie. Good movie, by the way. Everyone should see that too. I love the Lego. I love the Lego movies. I still need to watch that. Yes, you should. That's out on, DVD, on Blu-ray now. Go get it from your local JB Hi-Fi or no. <laughs> Thanks, Warner Brothers. Um, the yeah, I've always liked her, and yeah, it's great to see her. Just I realise now why she's really, really good at what she yes, does. Yes, she is. Um, is there anything particularly about Claire the character that you find apart from just being charismatic and super awesome and really empathetic? And I know she's got her own like she's, she's willing to walk away she and just like yeah, she doesn't take shit and yeah. she's really practical and she can see through people and be like you're an asshole. Yeah, like I love that scene between her. And Misty, when uh, Misty is like interrogating her, and she just like keeps her shit together, and Misty is losing it, and she's like, "Well, who's weak now?" And Claire is just looking at her, and clearly just being like, "Well, you are." Like she, she has her shit together, and she's so fucking smart and problem solves. She's just a cool lady. Did you um? Have you noticed that a lot of people have watched Making a Murderer in this show now? So many people are like lawyer. 
Lawyer, yeah, lawyer. Sure. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes yeah. they're like, "I'm innocent, so I've got nothing to hide." I'm like, "You're an idiot. Yeah. That's that's dumb." Yeah. But some, a lot of people are just like, "Lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. lawyer yeah. which I like. Um, yeah, gotta love Claire. Mm-hmm. Gotta love Claire. She does have one of the worst lines the entire. What, what's the line? Oh, uh, it will come up oh, in, in quick fire comments. Beautiful. Don't worry. Right. Uh, yeah, was there anything else? Oh, uh, I feel like there was something else about Claire I really wanted to say. Oh no, just wanted to talk about general connections between this Luke Cage and the other films and the other Defenders series. We had Trish talk. We did. That was A little in there. voiceover as Luke's jogging through the streets of Harlem. That mm-hmm. was cool. Um, we had mentions of Jessica Jones killing Kilgrave. We did. Mariah mentions, uh, yeah, Jessica Jones killing a mind-controlling villain. Yep. We had talk of oh, Rosario, oh, I'm sorry, Claire knows a good lawyer. That obviously mm-hmm. is Matt. Matt. Try to think what else. Was there any other major ones? Probably, but I can't remember them. There was the whole Luke origin story bit, which wasn't necessarily connected. Did, how did you feel about his origin stories back at Seagate? Like... Um, 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 I like seeing him with Reva. I thought that was interesting. Because Reva his is hair a is fucking ridiculous. True. But the Reaver like thing, laughable, yeah. Like that was, I think that's where I'm going here. That was Jessica Jones set all of that up. Mm-hmm. So much of who Luke Cage is and his backstory is set up by the fact that Jessica killed mm-hmm. Reaver. Yeah, and that's very important to both those characters. Yes, and so it's cool to get to know more about her, how they yes. met, the fact that she maybe has been lying to yeah, Luke for a very long maybe time. Maybe not such a great lady. Yep. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to like really watching Luke navigate those emotions of like having such wonderful memories of this woman, yeah. but then also perhaps seeing behind that a little bit. And there is like that that line where he's like, "Have you ever like had been holding someone in your arms and like they were somewhere completely different emotionally?" Um, so I think that's an interesting idea of like thinking your life has been one thing or your experience has been one thing and realising the person you were sharing those experiences with um, perhaps was not in the same place. I think that's interesting. The USB, I mean, that's all from Jessica Jones yeah. as well, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just want to say I really enjoyed for whatever reason and possibly because it was so campy, but Power Man Luke Cage's outfit in the original comics is ridiculous mm. with his tiara and his like power gauntlet things. He's yeah. just changed a lot in the comic since. And I was like, they'll never, ever find a way to use this stuff. <laughs> a power man is used by pop is what he calls yeah. him a couple of times. Yeah. Power man. And I was like, that's, that's a really I great. I did like that. I, I thought that was that a sweet. Lot. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where someone called like no one, you know, daredevil ends yeah. with like the cop entitles him daredevil. daredevil. Even uh, though it doesn't really make sense. Maybe if he was like on a motorbike jumping over a cliff, you'd be like, yeah. daredevil. But climbing up a building, you wouldn't really say that anyway. Yeah. Um, the, just that, that, that they sort of referenced that name. Mm-hmm. Never really. It's never. He's never titled daredevil. Oh, no, sorry, never titled power man. He's just mm-hmm. a little cute nickname. And then the same, like the idea that his origins involve this imagery of the tiara and mm. the power gauntlets, but they're not something he ever holds on to. And they no. even talk about how goofy it is when he finally takes it off and stuff. You look ridiculous or whatever. I thought that was a really cute nod, especially to put it at the start. Not something that he comes across when he's got to find something to make him stronger against (laughs) against, um, Diamondback. But just like, these are his origins in the 70s. This is how he he 
originated with his powers in the show with the that imagery, and then we can move on from it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. I really it's liked a nice that inclusion. Little nod. It didn't offend it was me. As good as it was going to get. I yeah. Think. And it's always nice to just. I think sometimes it's really easy to just like push the crappy, campy stuff out of the way completely. Mm. And I think it's. I, I love it in Captain. Going back to Captain America, I love the way they show his original suit. Yeah. With him being in the uh, the uh, USO show <laughs> yeah. with that, so clever. That, that is very good. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I would, I, I really did like the way they did it in Captain America. I thought this was fine. I, I wasn't like, oh, that's that's great, but it was fine. I'm, I'm not offended by it. Yeah. All right, let's keep moving on then. Ready for quick fire comments? I think I am. Yes. Awesome. Would you like to go first this time? Sure. Why got not? your buzzer. Yep. Ready to go. Okay, so I don't have a lot of quick fire comments. I don't have heaps either. Um, so this is probably going to be, be quick, very quick fire short. Comments. All right, you ready? Yep. Okay, start the clock. Time to Google Crispus Addicts. Yeah, do, do we know anything about him? I, uh, he was uh, the like the first person shot in like the American Revolution because it's this thing called the Boston Massacre, and that's kind of like set the whole thing off. This again, this follows on from uh, watching Atlanta, where we're just like, what, what? Because we're just not exposed to it. What was the what was the holiday? Uh, oh, June, June 10th? 10th? Yeah, Juneteenth. Was like, is that Which a real I, thing? I thought it was made up, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, great. Okay, uh, the evil guard in Seagate looks like a grown-up Joffrey. Um, so this is about the episode where Luke is underneath that building with his landlady. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the editing in this episode. The cuts from the past to the present seem dumb. Like the present goes for two seconds. Why take me out for nothing? What's interesting about that scene is like sometimes when they would go back to him being underneath and then they go into, into his backstory, like mm. that makes sense. Yeah. But sometimes they go from Mariah it was and, really confusing. and Cottonmouth back to the past. It's yeah. like, like I know what I, it's not affecting me, but I'm like, that's bad editing. Yeah. You've done a bad job of transitioning. Yeah. Um, the giant beard and long hair look a little insane and not as in like, he looks crazy. just looks dumb. Uh, also do you clap at a funeral? Is that allowed at Pop's funeral when they were making speeches and like people, uh, and then they, people that, would clap. I was like, I think I, I, I quite liked that scene. I think that is. I, no, I didn't mind the scene. I was just like, are you allowed to clap at a funeral? I've been at funerals where I've wanted to clap. In fact, I've been to a funeral. Because you were glad I, they were dead, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was at a, actually been at a funeral where I did clap. There was. Uh, a friend of mine's dad, who was very much into theater, and there was they, they were doing like musical numbers and right, stuff like that, okay. and so it was it was le- I think they called it more less of a funeral, more of like a celebration of life or something yeah, like that. Right. And okay. so in that gospel sort of thing where everyone's talking and like amening anyway, Amen, yeah. I think I can see where yeah, the clapping would come. It's, right. it, was, it was much more high energy than North funeral or <laughs> Catholic true. funeral. Right. I tell you what, if Daredevil was there, if it was at his church, there'd be no clapping. Yeah, that's all that would be happening. All right. Uh, Cottonmouth has the same lawyer as Fisk. Uh, does he? Uh, yeah. The, the, um, the black dude with like the awesome grey like streak in his hair. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I remember now. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks oh, like a comic book character. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, now I'm making the Shit, connection. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you mean yeah. in Daredevil Season 2, yeah. that lawyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Because I was thinking Season 1, I'm like, that guy, he's dead. Didn't he die? Oh, no, you, you're talking. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yes, you're right. Um, Good point. Good then, point. wow, it sure is easy to remember a dark family secret when Luke's in the church and he's just having like flashbacks and be like, oh, I was there the whole time they were discussing the affair. Yeah, it was dumb. Yeah, it was so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, that was like the thing was as well. We were there for like so short a time. Like there, show up, dark family secret, leave, yep. keep moving. It was so easy. Anyway, uh, every time the half brother thing is mentioned, I can't help but laugh. Oh God, Misty is crying again. Love that stuff. She cries a lot. Um, we didn't really talk about it. Probably not. Let's leave it to the end of quick fire comments. But I want to ask you what you thought of Misty in general. Okay, we'll come back to that. In a second. Uh, Diamondback talking to the politician during the hostage crisis. The politician says, why are you telling me this? And I just wrote Diamondback's response should be because the writers don't know how to write natural exposition. That was fucking awful. <laughs> and But the thing, it wasn't just that. It was like the way he like just stood up to let him punch him. Yeah. It's like, dude, obviously get the fuck away from him. Yeah. What are you doing? Terrible. That yeah. whole thing was terrible. Uh, yeah. That's the end of my quick five comments. Okay, cool. Stop the clock. Uh, all right, well, let's just talk. Yeah, that I 100% agree with you on that. That was so... I had to watch that a couple of times to try and really figure out what was happening there as well. It was like, mm. no one is acting like a person in no. this scene. Um, that, yeah, that again, the ending of the show started to get... It just lost its way. The So let's talk about Misty for a second, just because we haven't. Okay. Um, we talked a lot about the bad guys. Misty was a pretty integral part of the story. Yes, absolutely. Um, there was a lot going on there, obviously involved with the cops. Once again, apparently law enforcement just does not work no. in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No wonder there are so many vigilantes. The <laughs> cops are fucking terrible at their job. Yeah. Um, did you like her as a character? Did you like her function in the story? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I... I was certainly frustrated by her and the things she was doing, but I think that was her function. I would think it was to see the flaws in it and to see um, the frustration in being in the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I appreciated her her role and I thought she was beautifully played. You know, I, I liked Misty um, and – I'd be interested to see more of her character, certainly. What, what are your thoughts on her? No, I think I agree. It's interesting because she was like the C plot, right? So, uh, when she wasn't directly involved with what was, what was going on, we'd go back to her being at the police station and like dealing with the either her partner who was act, like, she obviously had a connection. I really liked that. Her and Scarf? Her and Scarf, mm, yep. I quite liked. I really liked it. I was, I was genuinely upset when he turned out to be dirty. I was like, God damn it, I really liked their friendship. Yeah, me yeah. too. And oh, while it didn't surprise me when it happened, mm. I also liked that he was dirty, but she still had a lot of compassion. Like, yeah. she still understood I mean, that they he were was friends. Yeah, yeah, she didn't just go, oh my God, what a, you know, yeah. dirty sleaze bag. She... Had a lot of yeah. time for in him. In that, like when that when she handled that situation in that way, it made me realize, oh, they must have been through a lot together. Yes, like they're absolutely. actual friends, they're actual partners. Yeah, and his death was a big moment too. Mm, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, no, I liked her. I thought... I like that stuff more than later on when we see her dealing with stuff because Diamondback put his gun in... Or put her gun in her face. Yeah. Um, and that The whole scene, thing with the psychologist about that like, losing control That didn't really and stuff. work for me. Mm. I feel like I've seen that or something similar to that before. It was a lot of nose. It was yeah. done in like an episode, it feels like. And yeah. then it came back a little bit when she like had a go at Claire for a second, but... Didn't really she's not work. getting effectively reprimanded for any of this stuff. Or no. She's not being nude in any way. She's still definitely a detective because mm. she's still like around at the end of the season. Yeah. And completely ineffective at her job apparently because <laughs> that, that's the thing though. That ending, right, the whole thing about her losing the phone and yeah, that's, that's really shit, shit mechanics. Yeah. I'm yeah, still not just, convinced. It's just like such like you need all of those things 
Like I, it felt it felt written. You know, well, it wasn't character motivated, no. right? There are two things that happen. They're in my quick fire notes as well, but I'll just say them now. Two things happen. Uh, shades leaves the dossier with Luke Cage's like history in it. <laughs> Everyone's just dropping stuff in that scene. In that scene, and Misty drops her phone. It's yep. like none of those things are motivated by character. They're just you know happenstance that- to get things where they need to be. You know how that scene should have been filmed? You know in like um, infomercials with like white people <laughs> and they're constantly like dropping things coming out of shelves? Yeah. It should have just been like you that. You constantly have your phone <laughs> picked up by the bad guys and used against you. Dropping to- dossiers everywhere? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that stuff annoyed me too. But I, I did like Misty what she was. I liked that she had. Did you feel like that? Like that she had that sexual relationship with Luke at the start was a little bit kind of pointless by the end of it. Or by like, the do end we of need it, that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice that they were like able to just be sort of. Yeah, I think it helps in the beginning because it allows for a one distrust from Luke because he's been lied to by her and also for her not to fully divulge her investigation of Luke because she fears that if people find out that she slept with him um, it would make her look bad professionally sure so I can see why by putting that there it puts them at a disconnect part of me just feels like they were told can you put some sex in the yeah. first episode please because this show's not as sexy as that uh, because yeah. like everyone remembers Luke Cage from the awesome sex scenes from Jessica Jones yeah, we need at least one in here please and there yeah. aren't any others that I can think of no him and Claire barely even kiss like mm. fucking constantly talking about coffee Jesus yeah. Christ uh, can't they just call it fucking why do they always have to allude to coffee yeah that was a is that meant to thing. be charming? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was on the writing. All right. Here's the buzzer. My turn Thank for you. quick fire comments. Starting the clock. Raw footage of the incident on the street. What happened to the internet? <laughs> it's clearly written by someone who like grew up in the 80s and 90s. Yep. Use your buzzer. This oh, is, so, I'm sorry. Fuck. Sorry. Geez. This is the second role Alfrey Woodard has had in the MCU. She was also played the mother who approached Tony Stark in Civil War. Do you remember this scene early on? <gasps> oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. I was looking through trying to remember oh. where I'd seen her from. I was like, oh, she was in Civil War. Interesting. Completely different character. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, very interesting. Uh, Justin Hammer. This is getting really deep in MCU lore. And I like it. So, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I've, I read people mentioning him, but I don't... Don't know who he is. Iron Man 2, the bad guy, is Justin Hammer, played by the guy from Moon, and I really like him. Oh, and he's in like Charlie's Angels as well. Yeah, that What's guy. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, him. Guy, yeah. Yep, whose name I can't remember all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. He is Justin Hammer. He's like a Tony Stark-esque kind of guy. Right. Makes a bunch of tech. Hammer tech is like the Stark tech, but bad guy stuff. Okay. Um, so it's cool that he's like... He found a niche market. He's like, oh, bad guys need stuff Yeah, too. yeah, yep. basically. Uh, first Marvel strip club that I can think of. One of those early on. What a momentous occasion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very just, important. Again, we're talking about like this is like the gritty Marvel. <laughs> they have strippers. <laughs> Who, although there was there were strippers technically on Tony Stark's plane in Iron Man, but I think it's the first strip club. But it wasn't a strip club. Yeah. A good point. Thank you. There wasn't actual titties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't played an electric organ while beautiful women in lingerie watch on? Uh, do you remember that scene <laughs> early on? I wish I had I had, had that personal experience. It looks great. It, it looks amazing. It look very nice. Oh, by the way, you might notice that a lot of these notes are from like the first couple of episodes yeah. and the last couple of episodes. Yeah. I did have a hard time keeping notes in the middle because of the move. So, excuse yeah. me on that one. It feels like a bad idea to beat the shit out of someone on your office room rug. Can't you have a dedicated torture room that can you can hose down? So Plastic sheeting. Yeah, anything, right? A, yeah, but yeah, he's got yeah. like beautiful plush rugs and his thing. He's like beating, like he's bloody. Yeah, that's gonna be a fucking pain to wash mm-hmm. out. Next time you have a legitimate meeting, you have to explain that shit. Yeah, looks like he got hit by a bus. 
a bus with two fists. <sighs> Brilliant writing. I'm, I'm not seeing the problem. What do you mean? That's <laughs> really good. shit. That's even the worst one. Uh, the fist breaking on Luke's neck was rad. So, in the bit... Dry reach, yeah, it was. Oh, so Ooh. good. Because I've seen that so many times that, like, you, like, watch Creed or a Rocky movie or something mm. like that, and, like, the fist and the guy's mouth goes... Oh. He doesn't move, and the fist just, like, bones coming out of it. It's disgusting. So good. Yeah. Check these fools. Chess pun. So good. I love that. What? So, Sorry. there was a bit... I don't even remember what? the full context, <laughs> but it was in... The pop shop. And was it Bobby Fisher or whatever? I think so. And they they were talk, they'd been talking about chess already for a little bit. And then someone comes in. He says something like, "Check these fools." And I was like, "That was a, that's funny because that was actually a chess pun because they've oh, just been talking about chess." Okay. Uh, was, I thought it was really funny. Uh, a fucking bazooka. When? Oh, like at the beginning Cotton when Mouth shows like- up <laughs> with a fucking bazooka and blows up the restaurant. Yeah. I was like, this is good. I also like this that he did it like- himself. He didn't yeah. get one of his lackeys. He's like, I'm going to walk downtown and uh, with a good old bazooka and just have some fun. But that was the campiness I was enjoying. Like, I felt like once you get the bazooka out, you, you know may what- as well have had like a bullet bill. Like, you know what it looks sold so it for silly. me was Cotton Mouth's great big smile and laugh. I'm his like, laugh- he's having fun. I'm having fun. Absolutely. Why not? That, but yeah. I really like Cotton Mouth's <laughs> bad guy when he died yeah. i was like i was like that was a sh- shocking scene but uh diamondback did nothing to replace the charisma oh there was a huge Mahersh void Lally left had. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which i was could really, have been perhaps filled by mariah but wasn't i probably. was really hoping there was going to be something that like brought him back to life to have like superpowers like luke cage Ooh. and it didn't ever have god that was like damn that would have been great to have him like mm. actually become a physical presence uh claire does have a superpower it's always being around when a super needs me- medical treatment uh it's a great superpower <laughs> Um, She's got like nurse senses, yeah. Good guy Luke Cage throwing out his rubbish. Did you notice that? There's a bit in the last episode. No. There's a bit in the last episode. He's been eating like the Chinese with Claire and then he sees that Mariah got out Mm. because he goes to throw his rubbish in the bin and that's how he's in the hallway to see it happen. (laughs) I was just like, that is beautiful. I thought that was... He's just a considerate guy. So great. And my last last, uh, quickfire comment, the worst line in the entire MCU so far, that Marvel Netflix thing, Mm. remember who you are. Simba. Fuck <laughs> you. And they gave that line to Claire. And not even Rosario Dawson could pull that off. That was awful. And they she should have talking- made her like emerge from clouds. That would have been awesome, but they didn't. Exactly, just ghost, yeah. ghost Claire. <laughs> That's like... There is no way to make that work. And she kept talking about how Luke Cage was super corny. It's like, you fucking lost that battle when yeah. you said, remember who you are while he's having a fight with his Can fucking you, brother. Like- it legitimately is the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And quick fire comments. Anyway. Gorgeous. Thank you. All right. Let's start wrapping this up. Favorite and least favorite episodes. Damask. Do you have a favourite episode? No. <laughs> I had trouble with this too. I Similar to like Daredevil, my least, most favourite and least favourite episodes are with very little conviction. I'll, I'll tell you mine though. Okay. Favourite episode, episode four, Step in the Arena. That's a Luke Cage origin one. So it's, I like a lot of things about this episode. I like the structure, although you said the editing was a bit of a problem a couple of times. Mm. I did like the like, him being having saved uh, his landlady and then being underground and him sort of like revealing his powers to somebody 
um, and then talking about the powers, and then he, at the end of it, he has to like he says he's Luke Cage, he's revealed his strength, and I quite like the origin stuff. I said, I think mm. I remember saying in Jessica Jones that I sort of was happy that we just didn't talk about hers and his origins. We don't need them. Yeah. But a whole episode dedicated to it and getting to know more about his wife and getting to know sort of the origins. I don't know. I I really did enjoy the whole Frankenstein monster thing with him getting his powers with mm-hmm. the tear. I there was a lot about it I was just enjoying in that scene. The mu- the music. The music when he comes out of that tank is so good. I was just like, this is a I'm enjoying this show right now. It was probably the probably the peak of my enjoyment, I would say. But I, it's not a perfect episodes. Again, mm. no real conviction. What about you? Do you I legitimately episode? don't have a favorite one. Okay, that's fine. I like. I don't even. Yeah, because mm. they a lot of them blend together. I, I will <sighs> yeah. say, while we've had the issue where it felt like there were not enough distinct episodes, I thought often an episode would end with a really good. Actually, I'm, I'm just gonna quickly say um, I did like who's gonna take the weight. Which is which one? Which is, um, I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly, is the one with Pop's funeral. Oh, yeah. Um, and we and we see Cottonmouth and Luke, those two ideologies really coming head to head. Those two speeches they did? Yeah, I think, mm. yeah. And we and we are able to still see Luke in the community and helping out and all that stuff. So, I, I'm, I'm going to give it that one, but my heart yeah. isn't in it. You know, it's really not. Yeah. Sure. Least favourite episode? Mine is episode 13. You know yeah, my C's. Yeah, mine's 13 as well. Which is the same problem I had with Daredevil season one. And I want to say maybe even Daredevil season two as well. But um, that fight scene is awful. It's mm-hmm. just boring. Mm-hmm. The dropping of the files and the phone is so... So contrived. Awful, contrived, so contrived. story mechanics. Yeah. Um, and some just, I don't know, just j- really silly bits mm. at the end. And also with the, so the big moment at the end is, you know, obviously Luke still has to go to jail. Mm. But now that we know that Dossie has been found, like that kind of falls away. It remi- yeah, uh, it reminds me it's of. It's like you've just undercut the big thing there. It reminds me of the ending of Batman vs Superman where something big, I won't spoil it, but something big happens during that movie and then the final shot like completely undoes it. And yeah. you're just like, oh, well, there goes any narrative tension or mm-hmm. suspense that you had because... I feel like we've definitely spoilt the end of that film before. In I the don't previous care podcast. if we have because it's a shit film. <laughs> yeah, true. And like, and if we're being honest, okay, I'm just going to say it. Superman dies in Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> and at the end of the film, we see the dirt on his, gra- oh, his coffin rising, suggesting he's coming back to life. And we already know that Henry Cavill's going to be in Justice League. So yeah, it doesn't so matter it, anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. Yeah. Do you have a least favorite? So yours is so th- mine's well? definitely thirteen as well. Just because yeah. like Diamondback doesn't work, and so when you come to that great big culmination or like mm-hmm. the yeah that big moment, it it falls flat. And with those stupid flashbacks f- that mm. come far too late, yeah. it's just it's just yeah dumb. And the fact that it's even got a Rosario Dawson uh, line that doesn't work is yeah. proof of how bad it is. Yeah. Um, that episode is only like 45 minutes long or something like that as well, which is one of the shortest episodes there is. But it's like, they just didn't have yeah, enough. let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, basically, let's just get the fuck out of here, basically. Uh, final score and ranking. I want you to go first on this one, Damas. Okay, my score, I was going to give it two, but then the more that we talk about it, maybe I should give it, no, I'm going to give it one and a half or two. I'm going to give it, two. I'm going to be generous, I'm going to give it two. Okay. Um, and 
all of that goes to Claire and the Cottonmouth and Mariah stuff with Luke at the beginning. Um, maybe I should give it one and a half though because if oh, I don't even like Luke Cage very much. Oh, it's a real dilemma. Um, okay. No, I'm going to – I'll be nice. I'll, I'll give it two. Um, <laughs> yes, because – and the the three points that aren't there are be- mostly because of Diamondback. What are you going to give it? You're going to give it a one? No, oh. no, <laughs> no, not at all. I am going to give it a three point five. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, 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 I think this Brod way. still <laughs> has the flu. I don't. I, I, what we, are you talking we, about? Three and a half. We talked a lot. You about think this show is better than average? Far better than average. I think it. Is you're high. <laughs> so I know we talked about a lot about the problems with, it, and I agree with the problems, right? But I also okay. F- let's I compare this to what else we've watched, right? Let's just talk about the this good does not outweigh the bad in the this show. Context. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. The context <sighs> yeah. of this is also the rest of the defenders, right? Mm. So we've got Daredevil season one, mm-hmm. which I gave a two point five. Right. Daredevil season two, which I gave a three. And Jessica Jones, which I gave a 3.5, right? You think this is as good as Jessica Jones? I think it does some things better than Jessica Jones. You're a fucking bitch. I'll fight you. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I'll stand by this. I'm going to defend this. I've thought about this a lot. Jessica Jones' central storyline is fantastic. Really great, right? It has, and we discussed this when we did it, there is four to five episodes of content that does not need to be in there at all. Mm. Just doesn't need to be there. That I did nothing for me at all. Nothing for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas, at least with Luke Cage, while the Diamondback stuff doesn't work, I in, was enjoying the show for two full thirds. And I always liked the style of the show. I the Again, the style got me through a long, long way. It's a thing that Daredevil doesn't have. It's the thing that Jessica Jones doesn't have a whole lot of. It has a identity and a style that I really enjoyed. Really enjoyed. And I... I wish you could see my face right now because it's just so sceptical. I enjoyed it more than both Daredevil shows, seasons. Mm. And while I think Jessica Jones, definitely its central plot and its central core themes and all those things... Are definitely the better. If I could tell you what, if I could just take that central Kilgrave Jessica Jones stuff and put it in a score, mm-hmm. it'd be four point five to five. Yeah. Right. But I have to put it in context with everything else that's going on. And if I could take those first two thirds of uh, of Luke Cage and put it in its own score, it'd probably be around a four or a four point five. That's no. It. I know be. you didn't like the middle bit as much as I did, but I really liked the stuff with him and Claire on the road. I thought that was good. I really enjoyed that stuff. The ending sucks. The 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 uh, Diamondback stuff sucks. But I think you have to remember even that middle section where Luke and Claire are on the road, it is interspersed with all that Diamondback stuff no, as well. No, there's still lots of Mariah going on there because that's it's then that Mariah kills um, Cottonmouth. There's around episode five or six. That but Mariah Diamondback kills. is still there and he comes to that like, Diamondback meeting is there, and but shooting Diamondback, and stuff. But Diamondback isn't the main villain at that point. We're still, it's a lot of focus on the cousins. It's a lot of focus on Mariah and Cottonmouth's backstory. It's a lot of focus on the the mechanics of what's going on there. The Diamondback is there, but he's just playing. I don't the, believe that two thirds are good. At that point when he's hunting down 
when he's hunting down uh, Luke Cage mm. and he's playing like Craven the Hunter from Spider Man, basically. He's like he's like a supervillain whose whole thing is about killing fish's animals. So he's after Spider Man, like he's a giant spider, right. and like that just thing where he's like hunting him down like a Terminator. I have no and like the bit with them in the theater and stuff. I don't mind that yet because we haven't got to them trying to make something of it. It's just working. Oh, I don't as, like it at all. And the act it was the different because there was fucking terrible. But there was actual stakes finally because Luke had been invulnerable at that stage, right? And so I liked what they were doing with Luke. I liked what they were doing with Claire. Yes, I liked what they were doing like, with Misty. Sure, I liked what they were doing in that his scene. Function like, was fine. Luke can die, but it, as far as we know, it's just like this random Bible spouting nobody and coming out of nowhere. Until then. How is that good at all? Because it, if they weren't trying to if make Luke's something... If Luke's killed by nobody that we care about. No, it wasn't about him being killed necessarily. It was about him being vulnerable finally. I didn't ex- no one, I didn't think he was going to die. Yeah, like, no, but I just There was no don't, jeopardy there. But if I don't care about one half of a scene, like someone who's like half of that scene, I'm sorry, I don't fucking care then. He was, he was enigmatic enough, I guess, or like... He was playing it big... Right, but I didn't expect him to become the central thrust that he became at the end, and that's the bit where it falls apart. When you try to make Diamondback the big bad, you fucked it, right? And that's why the ending is sucks. But when he's just playing the guy who's hunting down Luke Cage, that he was fine in that role. No, I think as soon as he was on the scene, he's like, "Oh, there's Diamondback." I was like, "I, you, I think you could, you knew that he was going to be the big bad because they had they had been speaking about him all season, sure, about he how he was the big bad, how he ruled Cottonmouth, how Cottonmouth was scared of him." Yeah, no, it didn't. It, it I didn't know he was going to end up being the full. I, central I think thrust. it was very obvious that that okay, was well, what was going to happen. It didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't what I was going with. I was okay. really hoping. I thought at that point because Mariah was still very much part of it. But Mariah and Shade started to have this like relationship in that moment too, where they're like talking about how they were going to fix the um, Cottonmouth's death and stuff like that. And I kind of liked that scheming and them sort of becoming mm-hmm. a partnership. I as wish well. Mariah had a bit more input in that. It just kind of felt like Shades was telling her what to do. I was like, eh, Well, Shades like- the experienced one in those yeah, sorts of, of things. Yeah, of course. Mariah just, has always played the... Yeah, I wish Yeah, Mariah would uh, have stepped up a little bit, but she does at the end and that's great. Yeah. Um, so, I, I know you disagree with me, but I... and then Wholeheartedly. Then it, but it, it also that Diamondback comes in, does the stuff with Luke, Luke and, and Claire have to leave, and Diamondback sort of takes a back seat for a lot of that while he's on the road, and I really like the stuff with Claire and... And Luke on the road. When they get back to Harlem, I agree, it gets bad. But I was enjoying it up until then. Enjoying it to a 4 to 4.5 amount? Yep. I was enjoying the style. I was enjoying what the show was. I was enjoying it. Like, I just... I don't care. Like I enjoyed the show so much more. Watching it, I was enjoying it more than watching Daredevil. I okay. can't get around it. That, that's that's fine. I'm, like Daredevil I'm, was so much more of a slog for me. Yeah, the, I the mean, ending is a slog. I mean, I, I preferred was, I had thrust because Daredevil was also split into two, and I much preferred the Punisher stuff, which took up about four episodes, to the uh, Cottonmouth Mariah stuff. Oh, I just I, I, I did. Um, I, that's because I, I, I loved were, the Punisher. They I thought were he was great. About the same for me in mm, terms of yeah. the enjoyment. Fair and enough. They weren't for me. The Punisher thing ends. Punisher then becomes back tr- mm. the behind the scenes of all the Electra stuff, and the which is awful. Electra stuff yeah. is awful. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I liked the Punisher because 
he felt well, he like, did what? I mean, what? He, he wasn't outgunned the way that Cottonmouth was. You know what I mean? Like, I never felt any real threat from Cottonmouth. As much as I, like, enjoyed, I found him very charming, great to watch, and I loved his dynamic with Mariah. It, it wasn't like, oh, he's, a, like, a real genuine threat to Luke Cage in the way that the Punisher was to Daredevil. As much as I enjoyed the scene where Mariah kills Cottonmouth, I do think that was a, the biggest narrative mistake the show had because Cottonmouth... You could feel him escalating, right? You could feel him building towards doing. He was like getting dangerous. cornered, and so he was going to, yeah, right? explode. And yeah. so I don't know whether they just couldn't keep Mahershala, uh, Mahershala, Mahershala, Mahershala Ali around or something like that. Mm. But killing off Cottonmouth was a mistake because you could see him going to the sort of like, like maybe. Can you imagine if he was the one who had to like, I got to get Luke, I got to get Luke. He couldn't, he wasn't smart enough to do it the way Mariah would do it. Mm. Like with the poison of the drowning, he wants to do it because he wants to beat Luke. So he's the one who gets the suit. He somehow gets that stuff. Yeah. And he, and so you've got those two, then you've got those reflections. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they had to throw in Dime yeah. back to You know, I, I, I agree that that. Definitely would have been better. And then, obviously, because Cottonmouth will not win, then we see Mariah emerge from the ashes. Absolutely. And we already know that she has smarter ideas than Cottonmouth. Totally. And she has, like, played, all of those she, could sis- have, she knows how to manipulate the systems that are in place, and she could have manipulated Cottonmouth. She could have worked with mm. him, but then ultimately knowing he was – if he lose, had a contingency plan that throws yeah. him under the bus but allows but her fine. to keep going. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And, and Shades ends up sort of being the double agent between them but really works for Mariah the whole time mm-hmm. instead of working for – Maybe she was really uh, Diamondback the whole time. Like yeah. Diamondback was like a nickname, or like her code name. I mean, I expected like something manipula- like that. So yeah. when it turned out to be a completely new player who was unrelated really so to anything going on, I was like, oh, Imagine God. Diamondback was just a mercenary for hire who happened to have some little relationship to him. But really Diamondback... The title Diamondback was like a misgive. He was never really Diamondback. Mariah was always really Diamondback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it never went there because Cottonmouth didn't stick around long enough. Yep. And so, again, it wasn't one of those things that was thrust upon the writers to have to deal yeah. with it and turn it into something else that never worked. I mean, I agree that in the beginning, um, the style and stuff really – it was working certainly more than it did on the back half. Do I think it was – perfect no sometimes I think tonally it was a little bit confusing and they weren't always selling it and and so when it was working it was working really well but if you know say the style is the is the package if within that package it's just a lot of shitty writing I'm sorry it's not worth a four to me the I'm not giving you a four I'm giving you a 3.5 I know but you're saying like if the other half hadn't well, been think of, so think about shit. this way as well compared so I like as much as Luke is more of a symbol than anything else, I like Luke enough. I like him and Claire. I like Claire a lot. I like Claire. Claire I, makes me like Luke more. Sure. Yep. I like Mariah and Cottonmouth. Mm-hmm. And I like Misty. Mm-hmm. So all those storylines are already working better for me than mm-hmm. anything that's happening in Daredevil or the B and C subplots that are happening in Jessica Jones. I have to reward the show for at least making me go from scene to scene and not groan. For me, it isn't even comparable to Jessica Jones. I know, but you, (laughs) I have, you and I definitely, I I really have a problem with the secondary stuff in Jessica Jones. Again, I find the Simpsons stuff superfluous, but it it is not as egregious as what is happening in Luke Cage. The Simpsons stuff was awful. From a writing, from a thematic, from a 
why are you doing this and getting in the way of the narrative thrust that I care about? It was insulting and disrupting. And he, even just his performance, I just don't like the guy. There was nothing about Simpson that I um, liked. I think the bad stuff in Luke Cage isn't as insulting because the general stuff isn't as as good. I agree with that. Yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think the central thrust is as good as Jessica Jones gets to. But again, Jessica Jones is like it doesn't at least even a third too get long. Get there at like in close. It doesn't even become like close to how good that central story of Jessica Agreed, Jones is. But I also don't think Jessica Jones has this, has as much style, and style, like I said goes a long way to keeping me at least engaged in watching your show. Like, I was... I wasn't turning away all the time. I was able to concentrate on the show. (laughs) Constantly. So, like, the music enough was enough. (laughs) The music is great, but the music is not the story. No, but it's part of the style. It's part of the package. And I enjoyed the package. Listen, this is good. This is good that we have been able to have such a disagreement on this. I'm really happy. You can't... I still think Jessica Jones is the better. You can't commend something so highly for having I'm a not, shiny package. 3.5 3. is not That's that very, I'm saying you're very generous. I, I, I might be being you, generous. I think you're being very but generous. But I have to I have to rank it higher than Daredevil because Daredevil... It's better than Daredevil. It's better than both seasons of Daredevil. No, I, I can't with the Diamondbacks. It really it ruined the show for me. Is what I'm saying. Diamondback ruined the show for me. That's fair. I will not be watching the second season of Luke Cage. Well, I won't be watching get there it. Into a second. I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is why I'm really glad we moved general thoughts okay. out of the show, though, so that we can. We get to. This yeah. is much more interesting at the end of the show <laughs> yeah. to just both go. Fight, what? fight, fight. Yeah, yeah okay. that's good. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Uh, so let's go there. Do you want to keep watching? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I don't. I've yeah, because because at the end we see Diamondback awakens from his uh, injuries, so that tells me that Diamondback is returning. Fuck off, not interested. Yeah. Um. So no, I won't be watching the next season if I have a choice. If there's a Night Nurse series, absolutely. If there's a Misty Night series, maybe might watch that. Mm. But I won't be watching a Luke Cage if it has anything to do with Diamondback at all. I might get you to watch it. We'll see. And then. Yeah, tell me, like, if the style is consistent. You, could, you, could you possibly trust me after my score on this? Probably though? not. <laughs> I mean, I generally don't trust you anyway, so this just really tipped me over the edge. <laughs> you Have you seen the Rotten Tomato scores for these series? No, no. This is, like, the highest or second highest of the two. It's like Jessica Jones and It are right, right at the top. Okay. Right. People really like this show. <laughs> They've clearly just blackout drunk by the time Diamondback's on screen. All right. Uh, I am interested in watching it, but it's going to be hard. It's it's getting harder and harder to want to watch them if they're going to be 13 episodes long every time. It takes I'm, up so much time. I'm, I'm so tired. Yeah, it's they, they're exhausting. Mm. And The Defenders is eight episodes long. We still got to get through Iron Fist, which is 13. <sighs> Fuck, I'm struggling. I'm three episodes in. I'm struggling with that mm. one. But The Defenders is eight. I'm like... Oh, okay. that's something. That's yeah. something. Maybe we can learn from this. Mm. If it's an eight-episode Luke Cage series two, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would watch it. And mm-hmm. mainly because as clunky as that finale was, they did leave you with some interesting like areas to go in terms of Mariah and Shades are still out there. Mm. Uh, the Diamondback stuff, whatever. Uh, Luke obviously is going to come back in the Defenders. So there's enough for me to like. Oh, I'm. 
depends what what's coming. I'm intrigued enough to consider it. It's not it's not an outright. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. It's definitely not. It's a uh, with some caveats. Um, what about hopes, con- predictions, concerns? Um, I hope Diamondback contracts a terrible infection <laughs> hospital and dies. Um, I hope we get to actually know Luke um, a bit more um, so we can make him, you know, interesting. Uh, and I predict those things won't happen. Sure. I wonder if the if it doesn't happen the defenders, which based off the trailers I've seen doesn't seem to be the case, whether maybe we're gonna get a big like mobster organization, like super mob like almost like a secret bad guys club starting between Mariah and Fisk and like Right. I mean Fisk kind of already had that with his stereotype game. Yeah, but they weren't super. Uh, I mean we found out that Nobu well, Madam and Gow Madam seems Gow pretty. have got shit going on, sure. It was just the Russians who were like street thugs, yeah. Yeah, and Al whatever it is, Al, Al Leo, yeah. But I feel like that maybe we're starting to sort of like get rid of the shit, like lose a few, get a couple that are all going to have interest in retaking New York, basically. They might start mm. working together, those ones. I don't know. I could see that happening maybe. Mm-hmm. Fisk, Mariah, The Hand, maybe some others they introduce. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I feel like Shades could become... I feel like Shades could could play a good role. I, like Instead of Diamondback, Shades has got some more interesting stuff going on with I him. I like that maybe. he seems smart. Mm, me yeah. too. And so maybe he could take a better, bigger role in season two. And that's about it. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just before we finish up, have yeah. you seen any of the Defenders trailers and stuff yet? Yes, I have. Because I've watched them. I've like rewatched it every time I finished one of these shows. Mm-hmm. And every time I do, I get a little bit more interested in the series because I know a bit more. Yeah. And that is paying off, which is good. I The writing seems yeah. about as good as it's ever been. Well, I, th- I think it's, it's going to be really good to see, you know, we've got characters like Luke Cage and Daredevil, particularly Daredevil, who takes himself so seriously, to in the trailers to see Jessica Jones talk shit about them. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I think that's good. We need that person who's like, who's out in, who's just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, you look like an idiot. Yeah, like that kind of stuff I think is, is a good sign, a good direction to take it in. Yeah. And yeah. Sigourney Weaver's in it and she's, you know, rad chick. So hopefully she's good. She's good. good. She's I'm a little, made some average choices recently. I'm a little worried about in, her like costume design makes me think that, She's going to be super villainy in a bad way, uh, but I hope not. I hope she's uh, able to rock it. I I have. Well, I've yet I to see a team up positive movie feelings where, about it, but who knows? I've yet to see a team up superhero team up film where the bad guy was interesting. Yeah, true. That hasn't happened yeah. yet. Oh, Loki, kind of in the first Avengers, but not really. He he was pretty single minded. I mean, yeah, it was more it, about forming the team, right? Which is yeah. And, like, uh, Ultron wasn't good in the end. Um, Loki is cool, but... Loki was better in Thor than he was in the Avengers, I think. It's always hard when it's all about, like, taking over the world, you know? It's always going to be hard to make that interesting, down and gritty and Mm. make you care. Yeah. All right. I think that's enough. Okay. Let's move on. If you would like to contact us, you can do so on Facebook by searching for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find myself on Twitter at BGordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MaskyMoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Thank you very much to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful graphics and logo. You can find him at SeanKirkpatrickDesigns.PortfolioBox.net or on 
Instagram at Draws and Comics. Also, thank you to Jordan Calavis for our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. That's classic J-R-E-X. Uh, if you could, please, 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 please consider liking us, reviewing us, giving us some stars on iTunes. Your review is going a wonderfully long way to get us by noticed by other people. We're getting some viewers in the UK. We're getting some in the US. I know. I know. I was some actually Japan, um, hunting down their IP addresses to <laughs> see like where, like what states and stuff they were from, you know, from like the US and I Great Britain a lot and stuff. Virginia, I think. Virginia. Um, I mean, uh, Missouri, a uh, couple from the Bronx, which is cool. Ooh, really? Yeah. The Bronx? Mm. Very cool. I wonder if I listen to this I think one. there's like an Ohio in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. So, uh, yeah, please keep reviewing us and give me some positive feedback there. Our next episode, we'll be discussing the final of the Marvel Netflix series before The Defenders, Iron Fist. I started watching it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I watched the first episode. It had came out not that long ago, a few months ago now. Mm. Um, to thunderous disdain. <laughs> thunderous. There so, just like a big fart. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Uh, very little positive things said about this show. Mm. I have not very many positive thoughts at this stage. That might be a short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It might just be us farting into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very postmodern of us to just go that far. How avant-garde. Our five words. <laughs> Why are they wet? <laughs> Change your diet. Anyway, thank you very much for listening once again to Hunting Seasons. We will see you next time. Catch you later. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.